Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. And let me give you these announcements. I wanted to personally mention these because they're so important, I believe. January 6th is Vision Sunday, and I can't wait to share with you what I believe God laid on my heart a few months back and then reiterated and gave me some more of it, believe it or not, at the Garden Tomb uh, a couple weeks ago. In, in that tomb area, we were praising and worshiping God, and the Lord began to speak to me some more. I believe it's game-changing stuff, and I want to share it with you. And the following Wednesday night, January 9th, Jeffrey Harpole is going to be with us. He's the lead pastor of New Life in Terre Haute, Indiana, an incredible leader, an old friend of mine, but has spoken to me in this, this new process that we entered into. We were looking at building a building, doing all kinds of stuff, and Jeff uh, has never left my life but came in in kind of an advisor, advisor-like way, and uh, he's going to be at LifePoint bringing some support to the vision on January 9th. And I rarely do this, but I'm asking everybody that can to be here that Wednesday night, January the 9th. It's vital. It's an all-hands-on-deck. It's a follow-up to Vision Sunday. I believe it's divinely orchestrated, y'all, and, and you won't regret being here. That will start at 7. And while my ears are ringing from those earbuds and that incredibly loud, awful track that I was listening to, and because uh, they make us play with robots now, Nick, you know what I'm saying? It's it's with robots. But uh, anyhow, um, then January 18th through the 20th is uh, Volunteer Weekend here at Life Point, and there's a few things going on. You'll you'll get some emails on this. You don't have to remember all of this right now. I want to throw it out though. January 18th through the 20th is Volunteer Weekend. That Friday night, January 18th at 7 p.m., Raymond Woodward. We'll be addressing all of our lead team, our musicians, singers, teachers, team leaders, staff, etc. Our, our lead team that Friday evening at 7. And then Saturday, January 19th from 9 until noon, Raymond will be speaking to all of our volunteers. And again, this is a must. Everybody that serves needs to be here that Saturday. And then that Friday night, the lead team needs to be here. Raymond will be preaching that Sunday as well. He's the lead pastor of Capital Community Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. And he's a highly gifted, sought-after speaker around the world. And he's a friend of mine and a friend of this church. And it's going to be awesome. we got some great things coming. God's got some plans and purposes for it. I want to be a part of it. How about you? Uh, look with me to Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going today. Good to see all of you. Merry Christmas to you. I hope you've had a great season so far. And I hope you have a, a great week this week. Luke 2, 22 through 38. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. This is Mary bringing Jesus to the temple. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus 
to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took up his, uh, took him up in his arms and blessed God, Simeon did, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, and the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years and did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Today, I'd like to preach a message that is deeply rooted in the Christmas story entitled, The Birth of a Miracle. Say that with me. The Birth of a Miracle. I want to say a prayer. Bow your head with me. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. I pray that you would challenge this church like never before. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In Luke 1, we find the Christmas story. Listen to these 12 verses. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom of his kingdom. There will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and now is the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I want to ask you some questions about what we just read. Was Mary highly favored of the Lord? Was the Lord with Mary? You don't have to be afraid. It's not a trick question. Was she blessed, Mary? Was she promised to give birth to a miracle? Absolutely. Was she promised supernatural help from the Holy Spirit? Definitely. Was she promised something that was impossible except for God? Definitely. Was it the will of God for this miracle to be birthed? 
Here's the deal. God was up to something. And when God is up to something, the devil goes into overdrive to stop what God is up to. Do you know what I'm talking about? The devil did not have the specific intel about what was going on. But he had enough to know that God was pulling the trigger on the birth of the Savior. And his mission, the devil's mission, was to stop this miracle that was about to take place at Bethlehem. That's been the devil's M.O. from the beginning. In the first book of the Bible, we see the devil's mandate, Genesis 3.15. He will war against the birth of the miracle, against the seed of the woman. In the last book of the Bible, we see it in an inning magnet, uh, 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 in a fancy way. We see it in an illustrative way. Revelation 12 says, verse 1, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. We've, we've looked at this. This is Mary. Then being with child, she cried out in labor. This is Israel. She cried out in labor and pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon, listen, stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to a miracle, to devour her child, her miracle, as soon as it was born. Are you with me? Now check this out. (coughs) And I'm going somewhere. I'm going to teach you a Bible study today that I felt like God laid on my heart. It's preparing us for the new year. If you'll hear what I'm saying, it will help us so much. There was a wicked king in Judea when Jesus was born. He was a puppet Of Rome. His name was Herod the Great. He was an Edomite. He was a descendant of Esau. Valerie and I saw his palace at Caesarea Maritime just a couple of weeks ago. I've got some pictures up here. I'll show them to you. His palace in Caesarea Maritime, Caesarea on the sea, not Caesarea Philippi, but Caesarea on the Mediterranean. This is the the ruins of this Herod's palace. You see that Big square body of water there. That was his swimming pool. He had an indoor swimming pool in his palace. No joke. And and, and right in front of that is the mosaic uh, of some of the tile on the floor in his his palace. The the Mediterranean was further back, uh, back in Jesus' time. But this was part of Herod's palace. I think I've got some more here uh, of Caesarea Maritime. That's a close-up of some of the tile in the ruins of Herod's palace there in, in, in Caesarea. So, pretty amazing. That's, those are the floors that his feet walked on. It's incredible. Let's go on. What do we have? Herod the Great had a couple of palaces. Not only did he have that one, but he had one down south by the Red Sea on Masada, this, this high mountain. He had a palace way up there that was kind of a retreat and a safe house. That's, that's me and Valerie right there. You, you might have recognized us. Uh, I'm the guy in the Yankees hat. Valerie's a girl. And then here we are overlooking some of the ruins of Masada. And, and you can see to the left some of the ruins of Herod's palace at Masada. There's some more of the ruins. You see the Dead Sea in the distance. That's Jordan on the other side of the Red Sea. So that, that, here, here's a synagogue that he had in the palace area. He, he was an Edomite. He was always appeasing the Jews and reaching out to them. So this is a synagogue that he had built at the fortress there at Masada. It was just an incredible experience. We saw a lot of this 
And right after Jesus was born, Magi came to Herod. You know that story. And they told him that a king of the Jews had been born. Herod was terrified at this news. He saw Jesus as a threat to his power and a threat to his money. So the devil took the fear in Herod and manipulated him to become his partner in warring against the miracle against Jesus. Herod asked the Jewish priest, where do you think the king of the Jews is to be born? These magi are looking for him. Well, they went to the Bible. They went to the Old Testament. They went to the book of Micah, and they said, of course, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So Herod told the magi, you go to Bethlehem, and you carefully search for this king of the Jews, and when you find him, let me know where he is so I can go and worship him too. The Magi did find Jesus, and they did worship him, and they lavished him with gifts from their treasure chest, the Bible says, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then they were warned, listen to this, they were warned by God in a dream to not go back to Herod, but to leave the country another way, and they did just that. And then Herod realized he had been duped by these Magi, and he went into a rage, And he calculated that by this time, Jesus could be as old as two years old. So he slaughtered every Jewish child in Bethlehem that was two and under. In history, this is called the slaughter of the innocents. It had been prophesied as well. This was satanically inspired. He was, Herod was, the devil's accomplice, his partner. The story is found in your Bible in Matthew 2 and 13. But Joseph... Jesus' earthly father, had been warned in a dream about the madness of Herod, and he was told to flee and go into Egypt. So he did just that. He took Mary and Jesus, and he went into Egypt for two years. Now, how do you think this entrepreneur, this business owner, this stonemason, this building contractor, this carpenter, how do you think he could afford to do this? He took the gold The frankincense and the myrrh, which according to some estimates, was valued at upwards of $4 million. Think about that. We tend to see this family as dirt poor. We tend to see Jesus as dirt poor. This is not my message. But the gold and frankincense and myrrh was nothing to sneeze at. It was worth a lot of shekels, okay? And the devil was trying to kill Jesus. From his birth. What I'm trying to say is this when a miracle is about to be born, there is always spiritual warfare. The devil does all he can to stop it, to destroy it, to sabotage the process. And do you know why? Because when God is birthing a miracle, that miracle is going to inflict damage on the devil's kingdom. We saw that. And of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. 1 John 3 8 says the reason Jesus was born was to destroy the works of the devil. So in our story, do you think that all of these angelic visitations we read about and talked about, all of these dreams, this miraculous provision, all the pieces being in the right place at the right time, do you think they just happened with God sovereignly moving alone? Think with me. I would like to propose that God, too, has partners. 
human beings in the earth, people who pray, people who fast, people who seek God, people who believe that his plans and purposes are going to come to pass on the earth and pray that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and as a matter of fact, we know the names of two of the Lord's partners in this story. We read about them in our reading. Simeon and Anna, a devout man, a devout woman, and they believed in the consolation of Israel, the hope of Israel. They believed in a rescuer who would be the savior of the world and who would redeem fallen man. Simeon and Anna were God's partners, covenant conspirators in grace. And do you know where you could find them? You could find them at this time in the center of where God was moving. And where was that? In Jerusalem at the temple. I feel like I need to go ahead and say this. You need to center your life in the heart of where God is moving. And today, I believe that is in the church. And I don't mean the TV church, and I don't mean the Internet church. I mean the local church. I think the local church is the hope of the world. And if you want to be in on God's plans and purposes, then build your life around the local church. Roll up your sleeves. Get involved. Become a part of it. Get planted deep into it. Live it. Breathe it. Make it a part of the rhythm of your life and your family's life. If you've never gone through Discover Life, that is your next step here at LifePoint to get involved in the life of LifePoint. We're starting a new one up January the 13th. It begins, and, and you need to sign up. There's a sign-up sheet, as a matter of fact, in the back. I would propose to you that Simeon and Anna, in just living out their lives wholly devoted to the Lord in the heart of where God was moving, they were deeply, just by that, and effectively, just by that, engaged in spiritual warfare. It wasn't weird. It wasn't crazy. It was just living out their, their life in a rhythm of grace, in a rhythm of devotion, prayer, fasting, coming in before the presence of the Lord, bringing those things, calling those things that were not as though they were, and believing God for a hope that had not yet manifested. They were engaged in spiritual warfare. And if you live a devoted, sanctified, separated life, you don't have to be crazy. Just go to church. Just pray. Just come to the front. Just seek God. Just fast. Just pray. Just find a personal time of devotion before the Lord. You too will be deeply engaged in spiritual warfare, partnering with God and bringing the things of the Spirit into this realm. Are you with me? Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, Ephesians 6 and other passages spell out a number of ways in which we war against the devil. I mean, if you signed up just for a bed of roses, you signed up for the wrong thing, man. This is all about a relationship with God, but there's a mean old devil out there that wants to stop God's plans and purposes. Can I preach on that just for a minute? The religious world, the Christian world is just, we're at ease in Zion. Do you know what I'm saying? We just kick back and we want God to bless us. And we, don't, we, we fail to emphasize the fact that this is a fight. 
There's an enemy that wants to stop you and wants to devour your kids. Doesn't want your kids serving God. Doesn't want the next generation to come along. He wants the church to die. With your generation, you've got to stand up and center your life and say, we are not moving from this faith. We're going to see God. We're going to believe God and trust God. Amen. Come on, give us some praise. I want to focus today on, on, <clears throat> on three ways in which we can war against the enemy to bring about the birth of a miracle. The first two, I've mentioned them, but they are prayer and fasting. Everybody say prayer and fasting. You got to take time to pray. And you got to discipline and get a hold of yourself and push the plate away. And we fast all kind of things around here, social media, whatnot. Ain't nothing like a food fast. you you got to discipline yourself to say no and push the plate away. Do you know who was praying and fasting for the plans of, and purposes of God to come to pass in our story? And at the heart of it all, the plans and purposes of God were for Mary to give birth to Jesus. Simeon and Anna, they were praying. They were fasting. You could take it further. They were praying and fasting for d- divine protection over Mary's miracle. Simeon and Anna were partners with God, covenant conspirators, ushering in, helping to bring into being the birth and the protection of this miracle from God. I mean, they, they were praying for his growth, for his maturity, for his mission to be accomplished. They were engaged in spiritual warfare through their prayer and fasting. They didn't realize the extent of it. And often we don't realize the extent of the effectiveness of our prayer and fasting. We don't see what's going on behind the veil of the temporal, which is this physical world that we look at. This is not without precedent. 700 years prior to this, Daniel prayed and fasted for 21 days straight. And while he was doing so and waiting for his own miracle, the angel Gabriel was trying to get Daniel's miracle to him. And Gabriel had to fight his way through the hordes of hell, the prince of Persia and his bunch. Gabriel had to call in reinforcements, which included Michael, the archangel, And eventually Gabriel got to Daniel what God had sent him three weeks before. But I'm here to tell you, I don't believe he would have ever gotten that miracle. I don't think Gabriel would have gotten through had Daniel quit fasting and praying. Daniel wouldn't have gotten his miracle had he quit 19 days in or 20 days in or 21 days in. Daniel's prayer and fasting was a partnership, and the angel didn't quit, and Daniel didn't quit until he got the miracle. I'm telling you, folks, we quit too soon. We've got to learn to persevere in our prayer and fasting. We think if we fasted one meal, we've really done something incredible. We think if we fast, uh, prayed for 10 minutes, we've really done something incredible. And I'm not here to berate you. I'm here to challenge you here today. I believe the angel appearing to Mary 
the angel appearing to Joseph, the Magi being moved upon to visit Jesus and give generously to support Mary's miracle, the Magi being warned in a dream to not return to Herod, Joseph's dream to go to Egypt, the miraculous provision while there, the dream to return because Herod was dead and to move to Galilee, all of that was made possible because Simeon and Anna prayed and fasted and refused to quit. I want to tell you something today, and, and, and this is challenging. God is trying to birth some miracles in this house, in your life, in your ministry, in your home. And the devil is doing all that he can to stop that miracle, to sabotage the promise. We need some men and women who know how to pray and how to, how to fast and how not to quit. If we will pray and fast and not quit, we can rest assured he's already working behind the scenes and putting the pieces together and supplying our need. He's working on our behalf. Come on, give him some praise. Are you with me? How's this for a Christmas sermon, right? Say the birth of a miracle. Now, people say, D.H., Jesus already won the victory. We don't have to pray and fast. Let me just say this. That's so naive and short-sighted. Jesus Christ himself prayed and fasted. And in that, he was our example, not our substitute. The body of Christ 2,000 years ago that touched the world didn't do it without prayer and fasting. You remember when he dealt with his disciples who couldn't cast the demon out. He said, this kind comes out not but by prayer and fasting. We, we, we not only know that Jesus prayed and fasted, but the 12 apostles prayed and fasted as well. We also know that the first church prayed and fasted. Jesus taught us that men ought to always pray and not to quit praying. The 12 taught us that we should pray without ceasing. First of all, pray, Paul told Timothy. The first church prayed and fasted for Peter's miraculous release from prison. And they prayed and fasted for the leadership and the commissioning of leaders in the church. Who in the world do we think we are that we are the exception to prayer and fasting? We want signs and miracles and wonders and deliverance and healing, but we don't want to pray and fast. Are you kidding me? The heavenly realm is looking for earthly partners, and I hear a challenge from the Spirit saying, will you partner with me? I've got marvelous plans. I've got good things I want to give. Will you partner with me and pray it into existence? God is wanting to birth some miracles. Amen? The Holy Spirit, the holy angels of God are looking for devoted human beings, covenant conspirators in grace to partner with them through prayer and fasting and faith. Will you partner with the heavenlies? Life point, let me just tell you, we need heavenly help. There's some miracles here, and the heavenlies need 
our earthly help to help us in the giving birth of these miracles. It's not up to God alone, y'all. There's some damnable doctrine that's broken out in the church recently that says if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. Instead of that tenacity and that faith that says, if you promise it, God, I'm believing you for it. I'm going to find every way I can to position myself to receive it. I'm not here to earn it, but I am here to take back what the enemy has taken from me and get everything that you provided for me through your redemption. We've got to take that. We've got to partner with God. Now, Mary and Joseph, I love this. I mean, we deify them. I mean, we beatify them. We make them something extraordinary and out of the ordinary. Listen, they were human beings just like we are. She was not immaculate. I mean, I don't want to cross swords with anybody. He was, he was not perfect. They were just living their lives. But they were, they were attuned to the things of God. And in so tuning in, they heard their assignments. They got their assignments. Now, back in the day, <clears throat> I didn't even have cable television. I mean, half of my growing up days, I didn't even have a television. I mean, I, when I got this little black and white TV, like, you know, and it had four stations, ABC, NBC, barely, CBS, and LPB, right? Mr. Rogers and Captain Kangaroo, you know what I mean? And as a kid, I despised those shows. I was looking for Superman and whatnot. You know, in those days, children... Listen, when you watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you had to wait, Mario, until, you know, Wednesday night. And it always came on a church night. Wednesday night at 7. I'm like, Mom and Dad, please, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We didn't have VHS, y'all. I mean, forget this Netflix and this Apple TV and all this. We didn't have any of that. You had to wait, man. Can you imagine the power of the networks in those days, you know? Let's tease the children. Make it on Wednesday night. Oh, <laughs> you know. I was devastated, you know. I mean, back in the day, and, 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 and we, had, we had antenna, you know. And, and it was like, oh, it's going fuzzy. <sighs> so you know what we pulled out, Mario? The tinfoil, right? Pulled out the tinfoil. We got foil all over the thing. I'm like, I can't see. What happened next? I mean, Santa Claus is coming to town. What happened? I can't see. what. And you're messing with that thing. What are you trying to do? Tune in to this realm that you can't see, but you know something's coming through. God is speaking all the time. It's just up to us to tune in and hear what he's trying to say. Mary and Joseph just tuned in. And they got their assignment. It's the same with Simeon and Anna. They just tuned in. They were called to pray, to intercede, to fast for the miracle. If you're going to give birth to a miracle, you have to tune in and you have to bathe your life with routines like prayer and fasting and seeking God. You do your work. You do your part. But there has to be that element of prayer and fasting. The devil works overtime. Listen, to stop the miracle, and one of the ways he does that is to get us off of prayer and fasting. 
get us fat and sassy and satisfied with where we are. We, we, but you let our back go against the wall. And you know what you do? You lose your appetite, right? You hit that wall. You get that bad doctor's report. You don't feel like eating. You get in a jam financially. You get in a mess with your spouse. You get in a spat at work. You lose your appetite. You want to back off for a minute. Why don't we just back off while things are going good and say, I'm going to seek you, Lord, while I can. Well, I want to listen to your voice. Maybe God would warn us of some things that are coming. We would be attuned in. The devil tries to get us out of prayer and fasting. To get us out of tune, out of alignment, so we can't hear our assignment. The devil's working to stop you from completing your assignment and giving birth to the miracle that he's called you to give birth to. And prayer and fasting is is how you wage war in the spirit realm against the enemy. Are you with me? This is a little different. I knew it would be. But, But I've got some... I got some things I'm going to be asking you to do. The third way in which we can war against the enemy in bringing about the birth of a miracle, first two are prayer and fasting. The third one, praise and worship. Preached about this last Sunday. Psalm 8 and 2. Out of the mouths of babes, God has ordained strength to still the avenger. In Matthew 21, 16, Jesus quoted and elucidated this psalm. He said, out of the mouths of babes, God has ordained praise. Praise is equal to strength. And what praise does is what strength does. It stops the avenger. Can I say the avenger is the enemy, the devil? When all hell breaks out against you, that means all of heaven is about to break out for you. And if you'll break out in praise in spite of the hell, hell's breakout will come to an end and heaven's breakthrough will begin. When you fast and when you pray, you cap it off with praise and worship. Don't hang your head in defeat and say, I'm so tired. I'm so dead gum hungry. You know, like that's our natural fleshly tendency, right? You walk in the church. I've been on this big old gigantic fast, you know. You don't ask prayer. We used to do prayer requests the old-fashioned way. Anybody got a prayer request? Raise your hand. Well, maybe that's a good thing, but I found sometimes it's a bad thing, you know. And and one of the reasons, I've been fasting for, you know, a week, and I'm exhausted, and I got this headache because of my fasting. We, We don't bring attention to that. We do that in secret. We do that in the closet, and we don't hang our head in defeat. What we do is we pray and we fast. And then we enter into his presence with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise and bless his name, knowing that God is going to come through. We dance in advance. We praise him in faith. Dance, praise, and worship always precedes the the coming of the promises of God. When David brought the Ark of the Covenant in, He was out there every six paces offering sacrifices and doing this crazy worship and praise. And the ark was coming along behind him, which was what he was after, the miracle that he was after. But praise preceded. We often want to praise after the miracle, but the biblical way to do it is to praise in advance of the miracle. You need healing. 
hey, pray and fast, but then praise God for being your healer. You need provision. You fast and pray and seek God and work your job, but then worship God for being your provider. If God can get Magi to provide for Mary and Joseph and Jesus, he can get some supernatural way of getting the provision for you. Amen? You praise him. You give him worship. And what you do is you steal the avenger. It's God-ordained. It's God's prescribed order. Why don't you stand with me right now? God's calling LifePoint to a place of prayer and fasting and worship. Because he's wanting to birth a miracle in this house. He's wanting to birth a miracle in your life. And the devil's mad. But the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but you hear me, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And, and I've got a sign-up sheet in the back. We're going to be praying the first three Mondays in January. You'll get an email on this. The 7th, the 14th, the 21st. We normally do first Monday. We're doing three Mondays in January. And we're fasting 21 days, January 2nd through the 22nd. You say, oh, my God, I can't fast that long. Well, maybe you could fast some of those days. You don't have to fast them all. If you can, great. If you can't, no problem. But I want you to commit to fasting some of them. Maybe you've never fasted before in your life. It's kind of like I remember when I was a kid and I got a paycheck, one of my first earned paychecks. My dad said, okay, son, Madison, this is reality. My dad said, son, you need a tithe on that paycheck. I'm like, well, what's that mean, dad? He's like, well, how much did you make? I made 20 bucks. Well, you owe God $2. That's his money. I'm like, what? That only leaves me 18. He's like, yeah, but that's his. You got to tie. And I was devastated. I'm like, it's mine. You know, like, no, it's mine. My dad's like, no, it's not, son. You, you got to learn. Not only do you need to give that too, you, you need to pray about it. Maybe give a little bit more. You got a nasty attitude, you know? And man, I, 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 it was a brutal awakening. For the, I was an only child, you know what I'm saying? Like everything was mine, you know what I mean? Like it's all mine. It's still that way. I still, I'm like, it's, it's time to open the gifts. I'm sorry, children. It, Daddy's going to start it, you know? It's, it, it's, they're all mine, right? I, my mom bought my kids more gifts than she bought me. And I'm like, Mama, I'm your only child. You got the kids. You got your grandkids more than you got the H. I'm your baby. That's what you tell me. You know, I'm an only, any only children in the house. We got a few relate. You know what I'm saying, right? It's, it's all about me. My dad's like, you got to tithe. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Well, it's kind of like maybe you've never fasted. And you're like, are you kidding me? Like not eat a meal? I remember one time in the olden days, one of the wild boys, one of our first members of LifePoint. This is our history, y'all. This is your heritage. I got a phone call from my, 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 my saints. One of my saints, he said, Pastor, you're going to be so excited. Caesar, that was his name. Caesar's fasting this week. I'm like, that's awesome, man. That's that's incredible. He's like, yeah, he's fasting weed. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, he's, man, he's, he's laying it down for this week. He's fasting weed. And I was like, wow, pray, praise the Lord. You know, I, I bet, yeah, I, I'm not, when I go to the preacher meeting, they're going to say, any of y'all got some great stories? I'm like, I bet I got a unique one, you know. Hey, we're having revival in Prairieville, man. Caesar fasting marijuana. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, have mercy. We're having revival. Hey, but to Caesar, it was a big deal, if you know what I'm saying. Like, he smoked enough for all of us, you know what I mean? And, and uh, he pushed it away. Some of us, you know, pushing away the plate, that it seems so radical. But I'm telling you what God wants to do in your life is so radical. If you'll commit to him radically, you'll partner with him in grace and he'll get everything that he's promised to you. There's a devil that's trying to stop the promises of God from taking place in your life. We saw it with Mary. It was the will of God. She was highly favored. She was blessed. But there was faithful Anna and Simeon praying and fasting. And God was moving aside the hordes of hell, the persecution of Herod, to get everything that Jesus needed for his assignment, getting him right where he needed to be at just the right time. God knows how to do that. Will you partner with him? I'm going to ask him, I challenge you, pray in the fast like never before. And then we're going to bathe 2019, y'all, in worship and praise. And I don't just mean watching others worship and praise. I mean getting involved yourself. I watch people, man, and they're like so resistant, you know, they're like, but when they start tapping their foot to the beat, when the drummer drops the beat and they start tapping their foot, I'm like, it's just a matter of time. As you know, the foot bones connected to the leg bone, the leg bone, you know, backbone to the arm, you know, to the neck, to the, it, it's, but before long, it's all over you. You know what I'm saying? You moving, you worshiping. There's a freedom in that. And we're going to bathe 2019 in praise and worship and prayer and fasting. And God's going to birth some miracles in this house. How many of you would like to have a miracle in 2019? I mean, something that's supernatural. God breaks in on your life. Will you partner with the Holy Spirit? Will you partner with the angels of God? Discipline yourself. Pray and fast and worship. If you'll do that, would you lift your hands as well? You willing to do that? You willing to go there? Give it a shot? Amen. I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads right now. Father, I thank you so much. God, you've dropped some direction in this pastor's heart. We're going some places in 2019. But there will be resistance. We're going some places in 2019, but there's an enemy that wants to stop it all. But Father, there are more that are with us than are with him. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we're going to put our hand in your hand. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to worship in faith and watch you prevail over every enemy. Some of us are going to stop being the tail and we're going to become the head. Some of us are going to quit being beneath and become above only. Some of us are going to be blessed supernaturally in ways beyond just our means of living. But God, you're going to start providing for us supernaturally. Ways we couldn't have seen. Benefits, breaks, favor, Lord. It's going to come through as we partner and walk devoted before you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's Word. 
For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, or if you plan to attend one of our services, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.